think of movement more as like drinking water. You know, so you wouldn't drink a gallon of water at like 9 a.m. and just blow out, you know, have a blowout water drinking session. You have like a glass and then maybe I'll have a sip now. Like throughout this, I've probably had like six sips of water. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle, where our goal is to inspire all to live a more purposeful life. We speak with high achievers who have pursued their passions to learn more about how we can do the same. This week, we are jumping over the Atlantic Ocean. I was supposed to be in LA, sadly, this week, but with everything that's going on, of course, I'm stuck at home. But thankfully, we have remote platforms and different ways that we can record, so I'm lucky enough to get this guest on over the internet rather than face-to-face. The guest for episode 81 of the Take Flight podcast is Aaron Alexander. Aaron is a manual therapist, movement coach and author, as well as the host of Align Podcast. He believes there's a direct correlation between our physical health and our psychological well-being. And if we want to change the quality of our lives, first we need to change the way we move through our lives. And we do that by aligning our mind, body and our movement day to day. Aaron has helped the world's top athletes and celebrities and everyone in between relieve their physical and mental pain. After working with clients and spending years traveling around the world, being immersed in various cultures, he came to the conclusion that the healthiest people are not those from the stereotypical gym cultures. Instead, they're those that utilize each moment as an opportunity to move their body, strengthen their mind and live holistically. Aaron has developed a simplified movement lifestyle that he has integrated into his life and believes when you carry these movements out, Every moment becomes an opportunity to develop strength, flexibility and confidence to live optimally. This episode was so much fun. I've read Aaron's book called The Align Method. I actually listened to it over audiobook. And there were so many things that I wanted to ask him. And believe it or not, we spoke for an hour. I did not ask him one question that I wrote down. But we talk all about life. We talk about death. We talk about the power of practicing functional training over traditional one-dimensional weightlifting. And something I particularly enjoyed talking to Aaron about was money. Aaron lives what some would call a more minimalist lifestyle. And we found ourselves discussing how we can manage our finances to live more of a stress-free life and live more purposefully. Something I powerfully believe in. I'm still learning how to do this myself, but it's been at the forefront of my mind for such a long time now. When we want to take flight into our passion, it's often money that's holding us back. It's often worries and fears around finances that's stopping us taking that leap of faith. So if we understand our finances a little bit more and cut back on as much as possible, it opens up a whole world of opportunity and possibilities for us. There's so much value in this chat and I really, really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 81 of the Take Flight podcast with movement specialist and California native Aaron Alexander. Enjoy. Aaron, welcome to the Take Flight podcast. What's up, man? <laughs> how's it going, mate? Thanks so much for doing this. No worries. Tell me, how how's life over in Santa Monica? Santa Monica. Um, life is good, man. I am, I've just been taking it easy, really. It's been a really great experience, actually. I've, I've quite enjoyed uh, the time of kind of like relief of continually being in like a place of FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. Now it's like... It's like, what are you doing? It's like, nothing. I'm like, oh, great, cool. That's perfect. Let me do. It's awesome. But I think it's actually been, I've really quite enjoyed this whole experience. Part of me almost it doesn't really give a shit if we go back. The only thing that I really care about in relation to going back is there's a lot of people that are really hurting financially. 
Um, you know, so in that part, I'm, I'm in question of our approach entirely. Um, you know, so that's the only part of me that's like, oh man, like we, there's a lot of, I, I'd gotten a, a, a Uber recently and in my really? little bubble that I live in, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this isn't really, this feels quite fine. You know, like as far as the actual deaths that have manifested from it, it's still like not even close to a big flu year. Um, and, you know, I think that it's it's been very interesting to see how effective it has been of people just coming together and like kind of banding together for one cause, whether it's the right decision or wrong decision or neutral or whatever. It is pretty cool to see people band together. Um, you know, so I've enjoyed that as well, but I, in my little bubble and I have an online program and products and stuff on the, I have like a, like a hap ecosystem on the internet, you know, so the internet hasn't been affected by this. It's just been amplified. Um, <laughs> but then I got in the, in the car with the Uber and that's when it really hit me of like, Oh, okay. Like he's talking about, he has his two kids and he's you know, like, his business is like a third of what it was. And you know, he's like really struggling and like really freaking out. Um, yeah. You know, so I have a lot of empathy for people that are in those situations. Um, you know, so that's 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 the main thing that I'm I guess, concerned with is other people's financial situation, really. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, on, on a personal level, I was quite similar. I, I feel pretty grateful. I felt like I needed a bit of a rest, to be honest with you. So mm. it's quite nice. But it's, it's interesting what you're saying. So we're on complete lockdown over here in the UK. Like we can't really leave the house unless we're going for food or to the hospital, pretty much. So is there any way to, people, to, to really control that, though? Can't you just always say I'm going for food or always going to the hospital? Or is It's a really good point. Yeah. And some people are taking it more serious, I guess, than others. And um yeah, generally speaking, from where I am, I just moved out of London. I was in there for 10 years and I understand that in London, people are still pretty, well, probably not do it, sticking to it too much. Yeah. Um, I think in cities, it's obviously much harder, isn't it? But yeah, out here, people are being pretty pretty on it. They're staying at home. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange to me that people are not, at least from a mainstream perspective, there's not much of any talk that I that I, I mean, I guess I kind of stopped watching the news in, in, in large part, but um, when I was watching the news to see what the heck was going on or what that perspective was, because it's just a perspective. Um, I didn't see anything about educating people on how to strengthen their own bodies and minds and immune systems and emotional health and um, any of that, because it's all tied together. You know, if you're in a panic state of contracted fear, like that literally starts to downregulate your body as a whole, you know? And so there's not a lot of, of talk of supporting people from like a nutritional perspective or a movement perspective, or like, you know, maybe it might be wise if you are going to be in your house to like open your windows and get fresh air and, you know, maybe, maybe get some flowers in your house right now. Like maybe that would be a great time to support your local flower shop and have them bring some stuff over to your place to literally, that literally boosts your immune system called Shinrin Yoku is a, a fancy term for Japanese nature bathing. So in Japan, they did a lot of research around such other places, but Shinrin Yoku is the term from there. And that's where a lot of the research came from of uh, the impact on your immune system from literally just taking a walk in the woods. So you go out and you're breathing in the phytoncides and various different chemicals that create this little immune response um, that upregulates your immune system. And so things like that, we're not looking at at all. 
you know, like, like cardiovascular disease, the average death rate of cardiovascular disease in the United States is, I think it's like 360,000 or 365. Um, if you fact check that number, but like, that's not, you can still buy Fritos and fucking Jolly Ranchers and McDonald's. And, you know, we're still subsidizing food that's creating issues like that. You know, and it's like, no one's like, oh, whatever, because it's a slow, it's kind of a slow boil, you know, it's no big deal. Now, Corona comes to the United States and it's like, oh my God, 30,000 people have died and we're in like the peak. And it's like this full panic shutdown. And I'm like, it's, it's just interesting that we're not, it's just, a, it's just an interesting thing to kind of see the way that culture works as a whole. I mean, it depends on the culture. Sweden's not having that, that reaction. Um, but to acute stressors compared to chronic. And so our relationship to something that's slow, chronic stressor, we're like, whatever, keep doing it. But then something comes up like this, where it's more of an acute thing, and uh, we go wild. You know, so it'd be interesting if somehow we could borrow some of that reaction into some of those things of like, maybe it's time we start jogging more, and maybe it's time we start eating organic food and getting more sunlight and spending less time screens all the time and you know like really and that's then what's what the focus of my book was was teaching people how can we we can start to integrate these really basic fundamentals of like living well in the body just into your daily life just make it be who you are as opposed to this thing that you isolate into a you know your gym experience or yoga experience or whatever it's like it's that constant challenge though isn't it it's like the no one sees the damage of heart disease over someone's 30 40 50 years of of killing themselves through their diet they just see someone dying from coronavirus on tv in three or four days and that's what sparks the panic and the media find it quite easy to betray that oh there are obviously serious issues and things with coronavirus it is a very serious pandemic but i see what you mean it's the, the harder thing is selling that lifestyle change and i love what you're saying about the flowers already quick quick random flower fact i don't know whether you can uh confirm or deny this but i recently found out that flowers are farmed like fish and chicken in some places and these flowers don't smell as good oh interesting yeah so is that in relation to like the nutrients that they're being fed or is that in relation to like cloning or something or what's what's the, the the differentiation Truthfully, I actually don't know, but I guess that they, in a similar way to like farmed food, that isn't doesn't have the nutrients. Well, the nutrients, I mean, nutrients will change for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about that. That's interesting. That'd, that'd be interesting to look into. Yeah, no, but I, you know, I love that. That's the, the outlook that you've had immediately is how we can change our lifestyle rather than worrying about not leaving the house or whatever it is that we're doing. And already, where I saw you sitting on the floor, so I've joined you. I'm sitting on the floor for this chat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think so I guess what you've made me want to ask there straight away is like, what would be the first thing you, you know, you mentioned the flowers, bringing that into your house, but what would be the first thing you would recommend to people to build their immunity in this situation? Sunlight. You need to be outside. Yeah. It's not, it's not like respect the six feet thing because that's what the, the, the tribe has, has agreed upon depending on where you're listening. If you're in a Sweden or, you know, I don't know, lots of different places, uh, that aren't being so impacted, then, you know, just, I think there's, there is some, there is value to respecting the tribe, respecting the decisions, um, and not infringing upon other people's decisions and kind of like saying, it's like, okay, cool, this is what we've agreed upon. We're going to be in this place. Another perspective would be 
that everybody needs to develop antibodies to whatever virus is around. Um, and we could just be prolonging the inevitable of, you know, A, there's a really good chance that you already have the antibodies for this virus and lots of other different viruses. And your just reaction to it was like, oh, remember that day two and a half months ago where you felt kind of sleepy? That was it. Like you, you, were, you, you were going through that process. You were being vaccinated essentially just by that sandwich that you ate that had some of the stuff on it. You know, and so that's that's one thing is to, you know, I, I think that as the numbers come out with all of this, we're going to see that, oh, okay, it's not half a million people have this right now and this many people died from it, this many people recovered. It's like, oh, it's like millions and millions of people have and have already had this and this is the amount of people that have actually been, you know, killed by it. Um, yeah. And then there's also, I'll stop ranting after this, I promise you. you, you <laughs> but then there's the other question of looking at like people that died with a virus. Oftentimes there's lots of other comorbidities, meaning other illnesses happening, manifesting at the same time. You know, so in Italy, the statistic that I read uh, was that 48% uh, of the deaths had three or more comorbidities and then 25% had two and then 25% had one. It was like 24.8 or whatever, but about 25%. Um, you know, so most of the people that have been impacted by it, they already had some other thing going on. And a lot of people were potentially on their way out anyway. And then we stamp that as like, okay, cool. Corona death, like raising the numbers up. Um, you know, so that's another thing to look at as well as it's just because you see a number doesn't necessarily mean it was 100% person was just living their life out for a run, you know, eating good food and got some crud, like, boom, they're down. There's like a lot of other variables going into that. Um, mm. you know, so anyway, speaking about the immunity that you mentioned as well, like I actually went to Tenerife just before the lockdown took place in the UK, um, which I think it was a similar time in the U S and, um, my essentially my sister-in-law's boyfriend had coronavirus and we were on holiday together two days after we got back i woke up in the middle of the night it felt really fevery for like literally a couple of hours mm. and, and i was fine so i think that i probably have been exposed to it and have the antibodies oh yeah real good chance yeah the places mm. that are, are are finally testing they're like oh i figure what i think it was like maybe louisiana there's a there's a place recently that i saw that they test came out and the people that were coming through, it was like 30% of the people had the antibodies for it. And I was like, oh, wow. interesting. So I think, I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I think in the coming like month or months, my feeling is there, and as testing comes out, my feeling is uh, we're going to be like, oh, okay. What we thought this was is actually very different than what it actually is. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then the next question comes in is like, okay, well, what is the financial impact of this? Because now people really are struggling and hurting and, you know, suicides up and domestic violence is up and robberies are up. And, you know, now it's like, okay, now what do we, what do we do with this situation? And so I think that's, I think now is a really good time. What do you do for your immune system? I think you develop um, some financial acumen. You like figure out what the hell do I do? Maybe it's a good time to invest. You know, maybe it's a good time to figure out like, maybe I should have been paying attention to my financial, financial situation for the last like 10 years and um you know not been buying leasing a car that i can't really afford that puts me at my edge 
you know, but it's like, but it's cool because other people see me in that thing and it makes me feel away and I'm like manifesting and visualizing and all that stuff. But meanwhile, I'm like struggling and living a life on credit. You know, so I think that that's like a, a bigger lesson that I'm getting from this is I'm becoming really interested in the economy and really interested in like, like, like financial economic health and well-being. Um, because that's, I think that's a, that's a, a, a big conversation that I'm not an expert, you know, that I have nothing really to say other than I think it's an interesting time to get interested in that, um, because it is a part of your health. And I think that the, the fallout from like a, a health wellness livelihood perspective of this whole situation, um, it seems statistically that it's going to be more of a financial impact than a, a health impact based off of like the numbers that I'm, I'm personally seeing on the internet. Hmm. Really interesting, mate. Um, funnily enough, when I was last in the US, I saw a, an interview with Shaquille O'Neal mm. and he was speaking about how he has made so many terrible financial decisions that he feels quite qualified now to advise people um, yeah. at least somewhat on what to do with money. And he literally, it was the most basic suggestion ever and I loved it. It stuck with me. He picked up a piece of paper and he just said, this is your money. And he tore it in half. He put half and said, this goes in your savings and this is where you have your fun. And then that's it. That's what you need to know. Yeah, that's good. And then figuring out what does your savings mean? Because if you're in a place where, say, we're having all of the the bailouts and we're printing trillions and trillions of dollars and we're already like 20, I think we're 26 trillion in debt with the the new bailout, the two two trillion um, stimulus package. So then another question and we'll, we'll go into like health related things in a second. Cause this is again like way out of my depth of anything, but it's interesting to look into. Um, so if you have all this money in savings, what happens if all of a sudden the financial economic happenings, uh, transpire that now that money, cause money's investing in cash is an investment. It's a fluctuating value. You know, so if your value all of a sudden gets way inflated, um, now at one point it's cool. I had a hundred thousand dollars saved up. This is great. Uh, well now it's like you're investing in the stock of cash in that point. And if all of a sudden that stock value drops to now, essentially it's worth $60,000. It was like, Oh, that was a bummer. Maybe I should have paid attention to where I could have allocated that to something that would have more long-term value. Mm-hmm. So it's just, again, I'm just, I think it's an interesting thing to, to look at, at, at that, uh, as another part of your health. And then also, yeah, cool. I think another part is valuing your health as a the same way that you would value a actual asset, you know, because that's a, a thing that a lot of people are. They put so much energy and focus on their business and on you know assets and wealth building and all that stuff, um, or just getting by, uh, and then they forget of how uh, meaningful it is to actually have the asset of your health and wellness. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have lots and lots of money and have all these businesses and all that stuff. But from a health perspective, their bank account's really low. You know, so I think that's the one thing that, you know, looking at both of those is kind of like, how do I, how do I give both of those adequate uh, attention or respect? Uh, and then I think they both kind of siphon into each other because if you're freaking out about finances all the time and that's where most of your mental emotional bandwidth is going, uh, you miss out on a lot of like the more meaningful parts of life. Oh, it's so true, man. That's amazing. Something I, I try and do, which is really basic that people could do themselves if they're lucky enough to is just have like what's called runway. So I just generally try and always make sure I've got six months runway. Mm, yeah, um, there you go. Just, 
just in case things like this happen. So you make better decisions, you know, that that was the first thing. Like I, when I was like 20 years old or something like that, I went and before that I was doing personal training and, and this and that. And then I went and I trimmed cannabis in California. I was living in Hawaii at the time. And during that time I made some cash and that gave me that runway to all of a sudden then I could invest that in, okay, well, I'm now going to get a rolfing school, you know, or, and then I'm going to go and then I did it again the next season. And then I was like, okay, cool. I have this runway. I'm going to travel, you know, so now I get to go and do these other places and explore and learn and see cultures and all that stuff. Um, But by figuring out, a way through maybe it is just saving stashing like 10% each month is like a rule that you hear a lot, uh, but whatever mm-hmm. you can stashing that aside just to create a little bit of a cushion so that you can make better decisions based off of really what you want as opposed to what you need in that moment, you know? And so I think that's like a really, really valuable kind of words of wisdom. I like, I completely agree. Like oh, really make sure like your, your zero is actually, six months like if you get close to six months that's like oh i'm i literally have no money i'm at zero you know if you're that then you have six months of making better decisions as opposed to making you know you start giving blowjobs for hamburgers out front of wherever <laughs> you want to avoid that <laughs> or whatever you do whatever you gotta do it could be something else so it, <laughs> it depends on what skill set you have <laughs> oh mate yeah you uh, you threw me off i had such a good question lined up for after that you threw me off oh, um no mate that that advice is unreal because the podcast being called take flight is all about how we can get ourselves in a position to be able to take a leap of faith oh, into that thing that we're particularly passionate about or the thing that we find out to be our purpose so usually finances are such a big thing that allow us to actually take that leap of faith. So yeah, yeah it's amazing, man. I think what, what I'd love to know is really, I would have done an introduction before this, by the way. So um, the listeners will know roughly the mm-hmm. sort of things you do, but it, it would be amazing to hear in your words, I guess what you do for people, whether that's your online clients or, or others. Um, and, and perhaps take us back to a moment where you felt like you've taken a leap of faith. Mm. Um what do I do? I kind of, I, I say I, I teach people how to feel more comfortable in their bodies, you know, mm-hmm. so like make your body feel more like a home, I suppose like a guest, guest house. Um, and so I do that by educating people on how they can start to change their home and their office and their travel into places that are more productive for your physical, mental, emotional health. Um, you know, and also teaching people the baseline fundamental mechanics of how to drive your body is the language I use. Uh, you know, so how do we in any situation have the know-how to be the most effective with picking that thing up off of the ground or if I'm cooking or if I'm walking or if I'm breathing or using my eyes to see there's, there's fundamental guidelines that we can follow to actually make all of those more effective. And, uh, if you start to utilize those fundamentals, then the rest of your life becomes uh, more productive as a whole, you know, every moment truly becomes an opportunity if you kind of have those baselines. And so I wrap that up into, you know, the book and the online program and, um, you know, the videos that I put out on the internet or for the most part, sometimes they're kind of just showing off, but a lot of the other ones are, uh, more about teaching people how to integrate those, those principles into their daily life. 
you know, so it's like teaching people how to use your iPhone would be an example I got from, from Kelly Starrett, who's a friend of the Ford for the book. Like you don't need to know how the, the back end of the phone where you don't need to take the screen off and know the wires and the crystal, whatever. It's like, you need to know how to press the app, you know, and then you go to the notifications thing. And then there's a really basic breakdown of understanding how to use it. You don't need to know, know how the, all the back end stuff. Um, and there's similar basic principles that you can learn with your physical body. Um, and so, as far as like a leap of faith, I don't know, man. I don't know what a leap of faith would be. I mean, I mean, I guess yeah. like I, I suppose you know that's an amazing thing to be able to do, and you've built that for yourself, and you've built that this life for yourself, and the business around the whole align method. You know, it's quite a, probably a f- far-reaching thing to do. I don't think I've taken a lot of like leaps of f- faith specifically where I was like, I've been very, I'm, I'm pretty like timid, I think, you know, like the, uh, so I've, most of what I've done throughout my history has been very gradual. Um, you know, so I've always been working as a, you know, I started off 16 years ago, my first job at LA fitness as a personal trainer. I mean, I did other jobs, mm-hmm. sold Christmas trees and all sorts of random stuff, fireworks. Um, but that was the beginning of starting to work with people in a professional way. And then throughout the last 16 years, it's just been a, a gradual development of, you know, saving up money and going, taking more workshops and schooling, saving up money, going and traveling and studying Thai massage in Thailand and then going to the Rolf Institute. And then, you know, then eventually that got really good with working with clients, you know, for probably about, 11 years and really focusing on one-on-one work with lots of travels and education and all that stuff and lots of mistakes and drugs and all sorts of other things as well at the same time. Um, not drugs like heroin, but drugs like, you know, all sorts of, you know, mostly like psychedelics. And, like that. Um, and then after working 11 years, really intentionally developing a skill set to be able to actually help people. You know, like that's the big thing is really thinking like, and right now, as far as, you know, what's, where do I invest in the stock market or gold or silver, or, you know, currency, which I do. Um, the only currency that will always uh, be valuable is one relationships. Uh, and then two, it's kind of the same thing is, is what's the, the value that I provide to, to my community. So that I think is the, is one of the most important investments that any person can possibly make is really honing in on your own skill set your craft, whether you're, you know, maybe you're an artisan or maybe you're a body worker person or maybe you know, whatever it may be, a business person, whatever, really honing in on that and being the best at that thing that you possibly can be. Because no matter what happens to global currency or investments or stock market or whatever, real estate, uh, if you can, it could go down to absolute zero where it's like a whole entire new system. Everything fell apart. We're in shambles. But if you have a skill that can actually be of support to people, then you have currency, you know? And so that's something that I think has been the main thing for me. It's been just been a slow, gradual development in, in learning how I can help people better and help myself better. And then after doing that repetitions, 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 that turned into starting the podcast. And then, then it became repetitions of having conversations with people and interviewing people. And then it became more workshops and then it became, okay, the book, how to write the best book. Um, but I don't, I don't think that I've been very like scared. I don't think I've, I've been the best like leap of faith question person. I think it's been a real gradual kind of, okay, checking around. Okay, cool. Take another step. Check around. Okay, cool. Take another step. 
I think I'm kind of like but, a slow learner. I, I would argue, though, that you doing that and becoming arguably one of the best with your particular message is hugely courageous in itself. Like that's that's quite a, a brave thing to do. Like you, you know, you believe in yourself enough to get as far as you you have with it, and I think that's amazing. I think actually, do you know what? What, what I'd love to know is, do you feel like the thing that you're doing day to day is your without being too spiritual about it, your calling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're doing something like when I feel the most alive, hands down, um, I was thinking if maybe sex could be it, but it's sex is actually certainly isn't it. It's like absolutely teaching workshops. Like if I'm, you know, whatever the group of people, you know, like typically more feels a bit more like, I don't know, there's a little bit more electricity, um, but really whatever the group, I kind of like something starts, I get out of the way of myself in a way and I can almost just feel like, and maybe you just call that lots of years and hours of you know reading and doing the stuff over and over again and repetitions, repetitions, repetitions to the point that like music can just come out. Um, but even like right now, as we're, as we're talking, like I'm, you know, I'm, this is, I'm okay as far as the message that I'm, that I'm projecting, but it's, I'm not completely out of the way of myself, you know, with the workshop stuff, if I'm moving around and I'm touching people and I'm, you know, we're, we're like, we're, we're jumping and we're, something happens where it feels as though I'm like being, I'm being speaked and I'm being breathed and I'm being moved. I'm kind of just like, almost like putting down the operating system command center. I'm like, okay, I'm going to step out of the way and kind of just like let this thing happen. Um, you know, so that to me is a good indication that that's like, okay, cool. Like that definitely feels like I'm in that kind of dharmic, you know, alignment type thing. So how, how do I continue marching towards that path? Because everybody wouldn't have that same experience. You know, so I think for most people, it might be writing. It might be, might be doing fucking taxes or counting or something, whatever your thing where you just get in that flow state. You're just like, man, time just flies by. And I feel like I'm like, it's like almost like I'm, I'm, I'm being moved in a way through this, uh, I think that's a pretty darn good indication that you're like on the right path. And I think that, uh, there's a lot of really good, meaningful work that probably is your, your dharmic path, uh, that might not feel so good, but as far as like the global impact to humanity and earth and the universe or whatever, um, it might really be worth it. And maybe this individual's path isn't just to be in a flow state and everything's all like love and you know, all that stuff. Maybe their path is to like kind of go to war, you know, and really be like, all right, I have to fucking work like in, in this, in this journey. But my, my net impact on things, I think in the end, it's just like, what was my net impact on humanity slash earth slash all the animals, ocean, all that stuff. Um, and if your net impact was, it's tough. You have to define good and bad. You know, but I would say in your story, your belief system of what good and bad is, if your net impact was good, whatever, it's good life. <laughs> yeah. In the end, it's all stories. You know, it's like we like what's the, you have to define every every word. When is anytime we come into like moralistic words like good and bad, better, or worse. Um, first, you need to define that. Uh, and then your definition of that is just based off of your belief system. Was it Shakespeare? Nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Thinking makes it so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Where did you come up with these philosophies, mate? Where did you learn to to think like this? You mentioned psychedelics. Has that been 
one of the big things that's allowed you to see the world in this way? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think certainly, but as are like books and mentor, like I would see mushrooms. You do like some psilocybin mushroom journey out in the woods, or maybe I highly recommend that people, I don't like being flippant with the usage of psychedelics because they're, um, I mean, you're like, you're like playing with like God, you know, it's like a really, it's not something to be just toyed with. Uh, the power of a handful of mushrooms is, I mean, it's like, it, it, it's like splitting the atom, you know? So it, it's not something to just be like, Oh, cool. Like I heard this on a podcast. It'd be cool to trip out. It's like, I don't think that's wise. Um, I think it's, I think it's good to have a guide. I think it's good to really take it intentional, you know, like, um, in Vipassana meditation, Gwenka, the guy that, that leads the, he's, I don't know if you're familiar with Vipassana, it's like the silent meditation thing. You'll go for like 10 days or depending upon the time frame, um, sit and do this noble silence thing. You don't look at anybody, you don't talk to anybody, you have no notebooks, cell phones, anything. It's literally just all you do all day is meditate and then take a little break and then meditate. You just do that for 10 days. Have you done it? Yeah, I have done that. Um, but in, but in that, in that time, uh, Gwenka, who he's dead now, um, but he has this screen. There's like a little TV box up in the corner. It's very, it's, it's super interesting. And he'll do his discourse each night for like 45 minutes or so. And one of the things he refers to this meditation experience is almost like, uh, or he refers to it as psychological surgery. You know, so here we're going through and we're extracting some of those parasites that have been inhabiting themselves inside of you. Um, and we're literally like, we're going through with like a scalpel and we're cutting this stuff out in a sense. And I think that that's the potential of something like a, a, a handful of mushrooms, um, or whatever it could be, or whatever, maybe ayahuasca or DMT, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, I did, um, I did psilocybin for the first time last year and okay. to be a good, a good three years to work myself up to it. Yeah. Um, interesting to know mate what what your opinion is on this so i was speaking with a friend the other day because i had a bit of a i had probably one of the lowest days i've had in maybe two years last mm. week mm. and um i kind of had a feeling that like with a lot of the sort of self-help stuff i've done and a lot of the people i've spoke to and uh, mentors i've turned to as well for advice like all of this digging is has kind of been like opening pandora's box a little bit mm. And I don't know whether you would agree with that. Like, I, I feel generally, on the whole, like it's a, it's been beneficial, but it just means that the the journey is way more rocky, way more like ups yeah. and downs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think that's the thing is, is sometimes your ego structure, you know, your personality. You call yourself Mark, and I call myself Aaron, and all that stuff. And I think I'm an author, and I think I'm like a fitness guy or something or whatever. You know, I can kind of hang my hat on that identity structure, but then if you lose that, it can be really frightening for people, you know, and, and the reality is that is not you. you know, like that is literally just a little suit that you wear. It's like a cute suit. It's a very fragile suit. And if you go through some scenario uh, where that gets, that suit gets pulled off of you and you're momentarily naked for a span of whatever time frame. um, it will f- kind of force some degree of readdressing. And I think to have adequate resources is really helpful. You know, so it could be maybe you're part of a men's group or a women's group, or um, it could be just that you have, maybe you see a, like a psychotherapist of some sort, or a psychologist, 
Um, maybe you have a, I don't know, an acupuncturist that's really like a kind of essentially is like a psychologist or a body worker or somewhere, some mentorship in your life um, that you're not just, it's like when we learn about sex and life and all that stuff growing up, we learn about it from our like 13 year old asshole friends. I'm like, yeah, my mentor is like 13 year old Jimmy. He just got a tattoo and his arm is awesome. Like that's your mentor. You know, like, like bring people into your life that are way further down the journey in a direction that you ideally have deemed in your story, that that's like, a, that's an appropriate place to arrive. Um, and I think have those people near and really, you know, do a, a, an audit or an account of, of what are the relationships that you have in your life. Um, you know, and then during this, the psychedelic experience, I think it's helpful to have somebody actually there to be able to support. So you can go deeper with it and you feel like, okay, cool. I can actually totally let go because if somebody knocks on the door or somebody, you know, whatever I have my, my guide, um, they're there to support all of a sudden the fire, fire alarm goes off. Oh shit. You know, it's like, cool. Like I'm, my role is just lay and kind of, you know, throw in some eye masks and reflect on my birth, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know? And so I have this other person that's here to really act as like a, like a, a, a support system. And then, and then also looking outside of that, like you need to figure out how do we start to, um, really create resources in our, our sober reality that can facilitate, uh, that potential shift or change that we've, that we've experienced during that time with the, the medicine. Mm. I think there's a lot, a lot to it. And I think it's, it's like, I was kind of saying before, like, I don't think it needs to be just a big leap of faith thing that works for a lot of people. Um, but I think it can also be a gradual today what are you doing today to resource yourself in a better way that when you do lose this costume and you become naked for a time frame, you're like, Oh no, that's good. I, I work on a meditation practice every day. I don't have, I'm not, I'm not spending money on a credit card metaphorically and literally, you know, I'm not, I don't have that kind of threat of like, Oh God, someone's going to take my house and take my car and take my like live simply. Get yourself down to as, as, as simple of a living as you possibly can. Live below your means, in my opinion, um, you know, and create more wealth around that so that it's like, oh, like I don't have that underlying stress or threat that, you know, big brother or the man or whatever is like, come and get me. You know, I think I think really looking at like, what are all those different angles? Look at my, my health. You know, I know that I've invested my health every day for the last who knows, whatever year, five years, 10, whatever, whatever the numbers for you. Like, I'm not really, I don't have this hypochondriac stress of like, Oh, what if this goes, it's like, no, I know that I put the work in man, you know, and mm -hmm. so looking at all those different angles of yourself, I think that's where you're really in a much more supported place to create big change. Cause you're, you've been resourcing for the last while. It shouldn't be, I'm going to live life like an asshole and drink Dr. Pepper and spend money on my credit card and, you know, neglect my relationships and neglect my body. And then I'm going to do a blowout ayahuasca session. It's going to change my whole fucking life. Like that's not the way it works. And that's the way it might work for you. You know, there's no, there's no, way. But my, 
little bit more timid is like slow, gradual. <laughs> yeah, but it's good, man. But the, the, and you know, the advice that you're offering really is for people to live that more like stoic lifestyle, isn't it? It's like when when the the ancient Stoics used to go and like live out on the streets and and have nothing and experience where it was like to be nothing to remove the fear that when they went back to normal life and they did have things you know, they knew that they would survive without it. Yeah. Um, interesting. You said as well about like mentors and resources around you, because I think similarly, whether you're an entrepreneur building a business or an athlete trying to achieve your greatest achievement, you need those people around you. You can't do it by yourself. And it's the same yeah. thing. If it's like a, a spiritual thing, I had a, a conversation the other day with um, my dad. I'm lucky enough to have my dad as one of my mentors. Cause basically mate, I, I think I was mentioned to you before. I recently moved out of the city and, and got a house in the countryside, a bit more space. And I'd wanted this uh, a home gym like my whole life. Wanted a home gym, right. and I finally got it. And then I felt really low after having this gym. I was like, "What is wrong with me? What? Like I've wanted this for so long. I finally got it, and it's it's great." Um, and I, I called my dad, and he because I basically felt guilty. Like long story short, I felt guilty because oh. all of the stuff that was going on in the world, people dying, all this stuff in the media, and I'm here with this like really fancy home gym. And he just said at the time, which is what I needed to hear, was the sad reality is that there is a time for people to live and there's a time for people to die. And your time is, is to live at this, at this moment. So you can feel sad about it, but yeah, but I I needed that. If I hadn't have had that, I would have just fell into that pit even further. What are people's relationship with death? Like this is another example in my wacky Santa Monica, new age opinion, like seeing the numbers and seeing it's like, deaths have surged to 3,500. It's like, how many people have been born? You know, like, like mm. what is our relationship to death in the first place? Like a death is not a tragedy. <laughs> like a death is just, that's a part of the circle of life. You know, and, and I'm not like this for people that have lost members of their family or friends to anything, not just Corona, just anything in general. Like I acknowledge that that's challenging you know, but, you know, who are we sad for? You know, we're not sad for the person that transitioned. Like death, we should let go of the death as being a word that's like a loss. You know, like instead of thinking death, let's just call it transition. You know, that's not like spiritual bypassing. It's just I think the word death has been kind of polluted. You know, so like death, for it could be something of like, you know, oh, you mean you got out of this freaking physical body ache thing and taxes and worry about putting deodorant on and shaving your balls or whatever. Like, it's like, finally, <laughs> you know, like this meat body thing was tiring, you know? So it's like you, you, you live your life the best you can, you know, you try to live out your Dharma, whatever language you want to use. And you make every day from like a stoic perspective, be a, a practice for death. You know, I'm not saying that I stand by that. I'm not saying that I'm like, I mean, I'm, my life is all over the place. Sometimes I feel completely disassociated and disconnected and just like a fucking dust ball in the wind of like, what am I doing? Um, you know, so I don't think I'm any person to look to as like a guide or anything. Um, you know, but I think it is valuable to, you look at like Marcus Aurelius, read meditations, you know, and, and, and look at the, the, um, Every day, really, ideally, I think can be somewhat of like a preparation for that transition to make it be more a transition of ease. But if you are immersed in a culture that sees death or transition as a travesty, fuck, man, 
Like that's a real, that's a, a, a real burden to have in your life experience. I think, you know, because I think that just as easily in a snap, you could look at death as being like a more like Indian perspective of like, Oh, cool. They died young. Oh, it's like they graduated. They were like, they got to skip from, they were in sixth grade and we jumped them up to, to senior year. You know, so it's like, oh man, they died in a he died in a mo- tragic motorcycle accident. It's like, I acknowledge that it is tragic, but again, I also acknowledge that that is a story that it's tragic. You know, so everything based. It's, it's almost a bit like um, maybe selfish because that person has died. It's, it's the people that mourn who feel that they've lost something. That's what makes it tragic. Yeah, it's not about the people. Are, Don't confuse. Yeah, me. you're not sad yeah. for the person. Like you're you're yeah. sad for yourself. That's fine. You know, it's like, it's like I lost something that I cared about, you know, it's, but did you really lose it? It depends on your belief system. Maybe it's more with you now than it was before, depending upon your belief system. You know, maybe we're all a part of this cosmic thing or floating around and that person in their corporeal physical form when they're in, you know, wherever they're in, they're in Florida and you're in, you know, the UK, maybe, maybe depending upon your belief, I'm kind of just making up stories, but maybe you're almost more deeply connected now. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I think everything is story-based. You don't know what happens after you leave this body. No, I love it, mate. Part, part of being comfortable with, with death is thinking things like this, but listen, Aaron, I know you were um, pushed for time because you, you got to go in pretty soon. You got to get a haircut, yeah. mate. Um, <laughs> but we, we do the same three questions, quick fire questions at the end of every, every episode. I have one question for you just before we do those three, if that's okay, yeah, sure. which is because we're all, in lockdown and everybody especially in the uk is working from home now um and i know you do a lot of stuff with with your clients around this what like one or two things would you recommend for people who are working from home in a home office to make their days better and healthier and make their bodies feel better in that space yeah um just get a pull-up bar in your house be a really easy one you know so have it in doorway and um as you're walking through the doorway do a couple like you can hang from the pull-up bar. You can do a couple leg raises. You can do a couple spinal twists. You can do pull-ups. Uh, and so adding those little like titrates, like drips of movement throughout your day. Um, so says science and most smart people that I've interviewed around it um, is, and just my own personal experience. Um, that's the way your body responds best to movement. You know, so think of movement more as like drinking water is an analogy I use in the book. You know, so you wouldn't drink a gallon of water at like 9 a.m. and just blow out, you know, have a blowout water drinking session. You have like a glass and then maybe I'll have a sip now. Like throughout this, I've probably had like six sips of water. You know, so that's like, and I've also moved my hips and raised my knee and I was kneeling and then I'm going back and forth. So each one of those, that's almost like a movement sip of water. You know, so mm-hmm. throughout the day, really think of your, your movement as something that it's like the same, a similar way that you would drink water. You know, so cool. I'll, I'll have some movement that recirculates fluid. It's still a water conversation through my body, you know, every 20 minutes or something like that, every 30 minutes, you know, and then maybe every hour and a half, I'm going to go for like a proper walk and maybe I'll do some lunges or maybe I'll, you know, I don't know, whatever. I'll play some basketball with my kid, whatever. Um, but if you can, drop those 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 drips titrates as a chemistry term little drop throughout your day drip 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 the body responds really well to that and there's all sorts of research from like nasa and all over the place of how that's valuable are you for uh 
exercise being dripped through your day rather than a one hour intense session? One hour intense session should be something that's like a meditation. You know, it should be something that you really value and, and, and love and enjoy. Um, and then throughout the rest of the day, I would, what I'm saying is I would take the person that drips it throughout their whole life over the person that does a blowout and then doesn't pay attention for the rest of the day, any day, like without a doubt, the person that's just like, no, it's just who I am. You know, I, I'm, I kind of, as I'm doing this interview thing or whatever you're thinking, you're checking your emails, you're, you know, whatever, doing something on the computer, you're in a 90, 90 position and then you're kneeling and then you're in a Sukhasana cross legged position. And then you, you stand up and you go and you take a pee or make some coffee or whatever. And then you come back and you do it again. And to do that up and down, you essentially did like a Turkish get up to get up and down off of the ground. You know, so that person, and then I go take walks and I'm outside and I take my shirt off and take my sunglasses off. And, you know, and then I play and there's a dog or a kid and I get down on the ground. And, and then we visualize some creative thing that we can do. We're creating a, you know, we're in a battleship and we have these like sticks for guns. And I'm, I'm flexing my creativity muscle, you know, while I'm outside, while I'm barefoot, while I'm near a tree, you know, all those things. Uh, any day I would take that person from a long term, like a longevity perspective uh, over the person that does just a murderous CrossFit workout or soul cycle or whatever. And then just kind of sits and punches over in front of a computer. The rest of the yeah. Day. Yeah, I think I was struggling recently at, you know, this is part of this thing has made me realize is that I was working 110% in the city, like getting after everything and then doing like a three or four day retreat mm. and then wondering why as soon as I got back, it was just like pretty quickly wearing off again. And then I was back to the stress levels that I was before. Yeah, from a biological level, your body doesn't like that. But again, yeah. everything's story based, you know, so if your story is that's how I get work done. I go into like deep sequester and I just don't talk to anybody. I don't move. I don't do anything other than just get this shit done until it's done. And I do a big vacation break. If that works for you, do it if it works. Um, but from most research, uh, what is concluded is that the body responds best to drips of movement throughout the day. Mm, amazing, man. Well, listen, mate, I wish I had more time to speak to you, but let's jump into these last three questions. So, the first one is, is there anything that you've discovered or come across recently that you're particularly excited about? It could, this could be anything from an exercise regime, a new book you've discovered. I think maybe just, I've been doing more training with clients. Um, and so having like partners to uh, train with, like work out with. So in this case, I'm like technically the teacher. Uh, but I'll end up doing the stuff that I'm suggesting with them. So that's something that I find to be really valuable is just having a dedicated partner to do anything with. So amazing. Partner, I think. Okay, cool. Gives you a different perspective on it as well. If you're actually joining in, <laughs> we got to get through starting the engine is always the most pain. You got to, you know, you got to pull the choke and you got to kind of rev it up and you got to get, once it's going, it's going. Yeah. Awesome. And the second of these is, I'm particularly interested to hear your opinion on this. If you had one habit or routine to give every single listener that's going to help drive their performance that they practice each day, what would that one habit or routine be? There'd be so many. I mean, a really simple, a, a, a very thin edge of a wedge that has very large impact would just be spending more time on the ground. 
you know, so get a, some cushions or a yoga block. I'm sitting on a foam roller right now. Um, and it's like really comfortable. It's not something that it's like, Oh my God, it's crazy. You're on the, it's like, no, this is like super comfortable. I'm able to massage my legs as we're doing this. I'm moving around. I'm changing positions. When I get out of this, I essentially did, you know, a 45 minute yoga session with myself. Like how good do you feel after doing a yoga session? How shitty do you feel after getting off of a plane? You know, so as often as you can, um, just spend time on the ground. So in the book, I recommend 30 minutes a day at least, you know, so I've already done 45 minutes here with you before that I was on the ground a bunch of times. Anyway, for me, it's like lots and lots of minutes. And that's what you see with cultures like Hatsa tribesmen and various different cultures around the world. Well, you see Hatsa, Hatsa people were specifically people that were studied from this. Um, there was a professor, I think it was at UCLA that, that did this. He went out and, um, he attached, I don't know what the, the, the meters would be called exactly, gynometer, something like that. But they attached to like their hips and knees to kind of see how they were moving throughout the day. They found that it wasn't that they were moving more, but it was that their active, their rest was more active. You know, so their resting positions were more exactly what I described in the book, essentially. So they, you know, they kneel and they squat and all that stuff more often. So that'd be it. Yeah, amazing. Squat more. All right, mate. Love it. Spend more time on the floor. Yeah, for people who want to hear more as well, like get the book. It's 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 a fantastic book. I actually listened to it in audio book. And cool. um, we'll put all the link, links to that in the show notes. Right. Uh, the, the last of these three is if there is one trait that's allowed you to get to where you are, Aaron, what's that one trait in you? Probably working well with others probably be the thing, you know? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't like now, you know, my, I, I'm really proud of my website. I'm proud of the online program. I'm proud of the band. We have another product launching. I'm really proud of the book. Like I'm really proud of my shit. I think it's really good. Like if you go into the align method ecosystem, I'm like, it's, it's good. That's like, been literally really intentionally like five years in the making. So I, again, I think I'm very slow to most parties. Um, but at this point where I stand now, I'm like in comparison to what people are doing, I, I think that it's, it's very high top notch stuff. Um, I didn't always believe that. And the big transition with that is I've in the last couple years really um, had the, the willingness and maybe like the, the leap of faith or whatever to hire people that are really good and aren't cheap, mm-hmm. um, that do really exceptional work and really believe in the product and believe in the brand and believe in me and believe in like the message and are, uh, super, super talented what they do and where I can just kind of step back and, you know, ideate of like, Oh, this would be cool. What about this? What about this? And, uh, they can create it. And make it happen, you know, and I have, you know, right now I have a team of like seven people, which isn't a lot, but it's really nice because it's like manageable and we're all friends and we know each other and we can do like Zoom calls and all that stuff. Um, and everyone's a fucking killer at what they do, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm like, I'm kind of like the, the lazy one of the group. Like my team is way better than I am. You know, so I'm like the slacker and they like keep me kind of like, come on, Aaron, you got to do this. And I'm like, okay, fuck, all right, I'll do it. You know, but they're like, no, like we're like, we believe in this. We know it's valuable um, and you're paying us, you know, so we're going to do it. Amazing, man. Well, well done for finding such a great team. You know, it's difficult to find people that believe in someone else's mission. And, you know, it must be, uh, you must be a good person to work for. And uh, yeah. I think as well, what, what an amazing way to end the episode, you know, it's, it's, mo- it's inspiration for people because, 
it's okay to do it slowly. It's okay to do it at your own speed. There's, you know, it's not a race necessarily. So yeah. Yeah. Just make every day be, you know, cheesy cliche. Every day you're a little better than you were the day before. You're good. You're, you inevitably yeah. will grow into some, something cool. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much, mate. I really no enjoyed worries. it. I got to run. I got to chop, right. chop my hair up. Peace yeah, out. Mate, yeah, good job. Yeah. Thank have you, a good day. See you, bro. Cheers, Aaron. Thanks, man. guys thank you so much aaron for all of your advice your stories and everything else it was so much fun chatting i wish we'd spoke and met face to face but another time there were several other guests i was supposed to be connecting with during this trip to la so you'll hear some of those guests dripped through over the coming weeks but the thing i'm most excited about this upcoming is more of a mental health focused approach over the next three to four weeks it's mental health awareness week in may and last year i did an amazing collaboration with the mental health charity calm and i love supporting those guys as much as possible this year we're going to make it even more exciting there are lots of announcements coming up and hopefully i'm working on getting some fantastic guests very well-known guests as well with incredible stories that i can't wait to share if you enjoyed this episode you can also follow me on instagram at mark whittle underscore tf where there's loads more stuff that i'm doing where i've just dropped a new instagram tv series where i'm talking about practices that i've found beneficial over the last few years i've also rebranded take flight as you'll be able to see while you're listening to your phone you'll see a new album cover and thumbnail for the podcast which i love it's so good it's uh, a lot better than the one that i had before but i can't say that because one of my best friends actually created that for me so i still love that one but this one's a little bit more professional in my opinion so you can see all the new branding and stuff on instagram and on the other social channels as well and see all the stuff that's going out there in the meantime before next week's episode i can't wait to share the rest of the episodes throughout the month of may and until then stay positive stay motivated and take flight